0: it is wild how distracting a flip can be. And listen, if you're a contractor, if you're a designer, if you just want to make the world a better place and clean up neighborhoods and swing a hammer and do all that, I completely understand. If you're in this thing to make a ridiculous amount of income to then go buy fixed up properties that are ready to go and be rented, just wholesale, just wholesale. Have pride that you are out there finding the deals. You don't need to swing a hammer to feel like a real estate investor.
1: This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome
0: to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, Mr. Talk to People, and I have a guest on here from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's been doing this business five years he sets some ups, he's had some downs, and he is gonna break it all down on how you can go out there and get your first deal and build a real business. This is exciting. Josh Donetsky, how are you, brother?
2: Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks, Brent. Really excited to be here. Thanks for having me
0: on. I'm excited to have you on here. So you started this fresh. You were pretty young when you got into your real estate adventure, right? Yeah. i was fresh out of high school the whole rest of my family except one other brother i'm one of,
2: of six total kids uh, everyone else is medical and so out of the blue my brother sent me uh, this link he said hey real estate looks like it'd be something that would interest you and i was he was right and i was just starting in college for business degree um, and over the summer in between high school and college i took a look at the article it was a rich dad poor dad Robert kibasaki program that he you know somehow my brother found it it's like hey you'd be interested in this so took a look at that, went to one of their three-day workshops and got interested into wholesaling through that. And yeah, I mean, I was just off to the races. I was so excited about it. Um, And I was really lucky because there was someone in my market who I knew through church and he was, I mean, he paid me 3,500 bucks, which is my first assignment fee really to find a buyer for one of his properties, which he didn't even have to, he could have sold it by himself easy. But I mean, this is a a go-giver really. I mean, he just, he said, Hey, go try and sell this. It'll be a great way for you to meet people. And that's really how I first got started. And I, I can't thank him enough. His name's David Grabner. He's a really great guy.
0: Shout out David and shout out to your brother. I mean, how did he know? How did he know that you were on a different path when five out of six are going towards work in the medical field? What was different about you?
2: Um, I think, you know, I mean, everyone kind of always knew I wanted to do something business related, more entrepreneurial. I'm a people person, you know, I enjoy talking to people and, you know, he just thought, you know, he knew medical wasn't for me. I've told everyone that and he's like, Hey, you know, a lot of people make a lot of money in real estate. seems like a great place to get started or at least, you know, get your feet wet. And, you know, he, he sure was right.
0: (laughs) I love it. So you jumped right in, you go to rich dad, poor dad, you start kind of getting into the mix there. Did you close your first deal at 18 years old? Did you make your first income at 18 years old? Yes,
2: yes. I was 18 years old and we'll get into a little bit later, but I was very proud of the fact that I started as a teenager, you know, and some of the people I worked with, they're always like, oh, I wish I started when I was your age. You know, I was like, well, that's what I hear. Everyone keeps telling me that. So I'm like, I must be on the right path. Must be doing something great.
0: So speak to everybody that is just getting started, especially people that are younger, you know, that 18 to 24, and you haven't had a tremendous amount of what I would call adult business conversations, right? Or conversations about buying and selling real estate. Was it intimidating? Were you just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to just go for it and see what happens. Was there any apprehension? Like what side were you on there?
2: Yeah, it was 100%. The most intimidating thing I'd ever done. I was lucky in the sense that I had actually gone to a boarding academy for high school. So, I was used to kind of being thrown into a world where I didn't know anyone or what was really going on. So, that was a good prerequisite for starting. But yeah, I mean, it, it was intimidating. You know, you you feel like you need to know all this stuff because it's real estate. It's someone's house. It's It's real people and there's a lot that can go wrong. But on the flip side, there's the best way to learn it, and that's massive imperfect action. I mean, everyone who's listened to one podcast has heard that, right? And it's so true. I, I can't say that enough. And that's really what helped me learn more than I ever did learn in college is that experience of being in the trenches and doing it yourself and just failing and failing and failing and getting back up again and, and trying over and over.
0: Did you say you went to a, an, a boarding academy?
2: Yeah. So for the last two years of my high school, all of my siblings and I are, are, you know, we've learned instruments as as kids. And my dad's actually from Canada. He's Canadian. And there's a boarding academy up in Canada that we went to and it was a really good experience out in the middle of nowhere, mountains, hiking, camping, you know, all this different stuff. It was it was a blast. But with that, I mean you're really far from home. I mean, you're two plane flights really. So that was a big leap. And I think that's something that really helped me get to a place where I could go out of my comfort zone right out of high school and really enjoy that challenge because I knew I'd gone done something unknown for me, which is high school out in somewhere I'd never been before, you know, and then coming back and saying, Hey, do the same thing just with your business career now.
0: And so you've got this entrepreneurial spirit. Your brothers recognize this. You're going out to a rich dad, poor dad. You do your first, you make your first income at 18 years old. Why go to college? Why even go to college, right? Why, why not just build this business and have complete control over your schedule? Like, what's the point of college?
2: Um, at that point, really, it was parents. I was still living with my parents. I moved back in with them, you know, after high school. And I was in a position, luckily, my parents had set up a college fund for me. So it wasn't hard for me to say, oh, do I need to spend this money on college? Because that was really one of the only places I could spend it, because that's what they had set it up for. But on the flip side, I said, Hey, mom and dad, listen, I've found this thing that fits well with me and I really want to do it. I also am not opposed to getting a college degree, even though, as an entrepreneurial person, you know, I don't need it. But I told them I'll I'll go part time. You know, I'll do part time classes. I did one full semester of credits and then I went part time so I could do the business and college. Side note for everyone out there, I would recommend just doing one or the other. I wouldn't try and split your attention between both. For me, I'm someone who's very picky about grades. And so it'd be like, oh, I need to do this to get an A or whatever it was. And I would sacrifice time that I needed to spend on the business. So I think that really slowed down my first two or three years of doing everything because my attentions were split.
0: Got it. And so, when you were balancing that, you're going through college. Was it like when you could get around to it, you would do your real estate? Did you set it up? Was it were you really disciplined with your schedule after going through uh, a boarding academy or something? You know what I mean? Like, did you time block and have that already set and that discipline, or was it well, when I have time, I'll sit down and I'll I'll start calling on these property owners? Well, first off, I'm not a morning person,
2: but going to that boarding academy definitely made me have to be more of a morning person. Um, but I would still get into the routine of, you know, wake up, go to your 8 a.m. class, and then I would be up till midnight, 1 o'clock, you know, pulling lists, uh, skip tracing, kind of setting up my day so that in between classes or in between homework assignments I needed to get done, I could give someone a call, shoot them a text, send an email, all that kind of thing. So I'd, I'd learned very quickly how to set things up to where I could kind of fill in the fill in the gaps of time I had throughout the day, especially when I was doing the full 16 credits for that first semester.
0: Yeah, that's intense. And I love, listen, the, the beautiful thing about your story is you're talking about, you're going to school, you're getting an education, but during that time, you're not spending a tremendous amount of money on marketing. You're just, you're going out there and earning these, these opportunities, right? You're, you're going out, you're getting these distressed property lists. You're skip tracing them, which basically means that you're getting their phone numbers. And then you're just picking up the, the phone and calling them. Were you calling with a dialer or were you just hand dialing at the time?
2: Hand dialing it. I mean, I, I didn't have really any program. I mean, I went out, I used Google Maps. I would drive around and I would, I would find on the map where I was. I'd find the property, I'd pin it, screenshot the address. And then look it up later that night. And then hopefully, if I had time, I'd give them a call or or whatever the next day to hopefully get in touch with them. And that's how I actually found my first big deal that became, I don't know if you want to get into it now, but that was the one that turned into a flip instead of a wholesale. But that's how I found that first deal that.
0: Let's get right into it. uh, Was it a driving for dollars list that you're talking about?
2: Yes. So it was a driving for dollars list that I had started building because I wanted to start cold calling. And so I was driving. It's about a mile from my house. I was driving, and it's this really nice neighborhood. It's called Barrington Country Circle. I mean, there's, for Tennessee, this might, pretty expensive houses. For California, or Arizona, wherever you go, it's a bit different. But I mean, they're half a million dollar houses here, whereas the typical house is 200,000, 150, sure. somewhere like that. Forty, 4,500 square feet. Uh, but I'm driving through this, this neighborhood, and before I even get there, I'm like, you know, there's no point driving down here. There's not going to be a vacant house no one's going to be in distress. I mean, these people are set up. I mean, they, there's nothing to worry about. I'm not going to even spend the time. But something kept telling me, hey, just, you know, it's not going to take long. Just go ahead, turn left and go down there. So I end up driving around. First property I pass is clearly abandoned and vacant. So I'm like, okay, well, that's a shock. but I'm going to take this down because I knew the area. I knew that's a great place. I mean, if I could get that property, I'm golden. Keep driving around and it's just the loop. And I drive around probably another 15 houses. Then there's another house that's clearly abandoned, vacant, same thing. I'm like, man, this is crazy. What have I stumbled upon? I get it on my list. I call them. It was a probate situation. Uh, The brother had passed away and the sister and the other brother lived out in Ohio somewhere and they didn't want to deal with it. There had been a bunch of problems with the probate and the attorney that was dealing with everything. So he said, hey, if you can give me, I think he wanted 165 right off the bat. And I was like, well, ARB on this is at least 450 you know, I was like, it couldn't need more than what, 60, maybe 75,000. And the funny thing is both those properties were owned by the same person. So the brother that had passed away owned both those properties and they're basically mirror images of each other. So I was like, well, this is great. I can flip these and make so much more money than I would wholesaling. Sure. I had someone on the line to buy it potentially for a $60,000 assignment fee. And I was talking with my parents about it. And I said, yeah, I mean, this would be a great deal. It looks like if I flipped it, I can make about one hundred and thirty. And it doesn't need a whole lot of work. And so, you know, my dad was nice enough to say, hey, well, if you do want to flip it, I can help you sign for a loan. Because, of course, in college, there's no way I was going to get a loan to flip it without someone backing me. Sure. We ended up going down that route. And long story short, we went through three contractors, So, real, real a quick, lot gosh, of money doing that. Just,
0: just, to, just yeah. to really get this, I want to dig in here. So your dad was going to co-sign on what, like a private money loan? Yes. For a hard money loan? Those are both hard money, inter- hard money interchange- yep. interchangeable. Okay. Do you remember the terms of that loan? Do you remember how much you had to put down?
2: We didn't have, well, okay. So there was two points of the origination fee for the loan, and then it was at 12%. Which, you know, so, when, loan, when, so
0: when we're talking two points, that means 2%. And is that of the 165? Are they doing a hundred percent financing? So.
2: They do 100 financing of the purchase price and the rehab loan. So there we go. That was that was really nice because you know I could tell my dad, listen, we can sign for the loan and they'll give us what we need to get the project completed. You know, we'll just need to put up the origination fee, whatever smaller closing costs there are. And he was he was a okay with that. You know, he'd always wanted to get into real estate, but as a doctor, he just never did, never could. Uh, and he had six kids, so who can blame him? But. But yeah, so he was great with doing that. I negotiated that property down to 153.
0: 153 plus how much for the repairs? Did you get in the lo- what was the total loan amount?
2: Yeah, the repairs, well what what we had budgeted for the repairs was 90,000 in the end after walking through the property. Okay. 90,000.
0: So you got a loan for about 245?
2: Yep. But I think it was it ended up being cuz they actually and it's really nice too, they'll work half of the origination fee into the loan too. So the total loan cost was right around one or two fifty three. I mean, they make it really easy, you know. So that was really nice.
0: Real quick, just so that everybody is listening to this understands. Josh is how old are you at this time when you when you locked up this deal? Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay, eighteen years old finds a vacant property reaches out to his dad, gets co-signed on a hard money loan that is going to give him a hundred percent of the cash. And here's, here's this, the real meat that I want to get out of this is you don't need all the money yourself. All right. And I'm not just talking about flipping because we're going to get into, you know, what happens with this deal here and what happens with working with different contractors. But as real estate wholesalers, If you really want to feel bulletproof, you want to feel unstoppable, you want to feel like a real rhinoceros with thick skin, have the ability to close on these deals, and that's just a phone call away with a hard money lender and finding out what terms they're looking for to be able to fund these deals, all right? There are people everywhere in every state that'll fund 100% purchase price and the rehab if you get it at a significant enough discount. So now you know that you have a partner in this. You have a financial partner in this that is going to back you up. You can literally go on every appointment and say, I am a cash buyer. Not, I am a wholesaler, I hope, and let me explain to you what that is and what's going to happen and, and kind of throw you off track here. Because all of our marketing, all of our conversations, every time we pick up the phone, we say, we want to see if you would consider an offer on your property. We're looking to buy properties in the area. I'm a cash buyer. Then be a cash buyer. Listen to Josh. He did this at 18 years old, guys. I'm telling you, it gives you so much strength to be able to go in there with confidence, knowing that you have millions of dollars in your back pocket available to you. And you don't have to go there and lie to a property owner and say, yeah, I'm a cash buyer and you're not. Never do that. We're truth finders and truth tellers. It's absolutely incredible that you went and did that. So go ahead. So you got the loan. You only had to put about $2,500 down on this purchase. That's going to pay for everything. And then what happened?
2: Yeah, so and then, you know, we start work right away. I think the day after closing, we had our contractor in there doing all the demo going at it. And I think we'd put by the time we started having issues with him, he had a lot of different properties that he was working on. And so funds got mingled, stuff just got really disorganized for him. And I think we're about twenty five thousand dollars into the rehab with him and stuff just came kind of to a standstill. He his crews weren't showing up, uh, he wasn't able to to pay for anything, and so little me says, Oh, well, what, what do you need to keep the project going? And of course, with the whole draw process and everything, we did have some more funds that we could give him He's like, Oh, well, if I had $10,000, yeah. that would free up, you know, some crews from other projects, we get those finished and move over to yours, and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, Okay, great. You know, that sounds easy enough, simple solution, Cut him a check. And they do a little bit more work, definitely not what the 10,000 should have covered. And then it, it's the same thing again. And so I said, Well, listen, that you know, that's not going to work, we need something to change. And at that point, I mean, his whole company basically went bankrupt. So I was kind of freaking out. I was like, well, first of all, I have this money that I've paid him that I'm not going to, I don't know how to get back from him. And then it was second of all, who's going to take over? Who's going to keep doing the project? So I went, found another contractor, keep things simple. Basically the same story. We're about $60,000 into it and really maybe $30,000 worth of work has actually been done because some of the work had to be redone. Because he's trying to get cheaper work, and that's just that's not a good recipe for uh, success there. So we get this third contractor who is great. His name is Rob. He comes in first. I tell him my whole story about real estate, and he's just blown away. He's like, "Oh, this is great. I want to help you just because I I love the story. I want it to be a successful ending here." And so I'm like, "Well, great, you've got the job." So I mean, he comes in, and of course, his work isn't cheap, but I know that whatever he says is going to happen is going to happen. He comes through, and so we spend. Probably, I want to say four months with him finishing up the project, getting it all buttoned up. I mean, it's a 4,500 square foot home. It was a big flip to take a bite out of on my first go. I mean, I, there was nights where I couldn't sleep because this stuff was just, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Make sure this happens, that happens. And I've never flipped before. You know, I've got inspections, all that. Anyway, so he gets the job done and we're way over budget at that point because of the costs, the holding costs for the loan. We're probably two times as long. On that flip as we should have been. Uh, so we're paying double the holding costs that we planned. And we have a property on the market. It's flipped. It's done. We have it on the market. It sits there for about four months. We get a buyer at 450. We close on the property. And let me just tell you, I was so disorganized with receipts and costs on everything that even to this day, it's still a question of whether we even made profit on that flip, a flip that we should have made at least a hundred thousand Sure. It's just, where did it all go? You know, it was crazy. But I was very glad that my dad looked at it as just an expense of a college degree. If there was anything, you know, if we didn't break even, if we were in the hole, you know, five ten thousand dollars 10000 you know, it's it's a cost of education. Yep. And as much as I look back on it and say, oh, I could fix this, this, and this, really, I'm really thankful for that experience that I had because I learned so much of construction, of real estate, of just everything that I really wouldn't trade that experience, and I know a lot of people say that, but I, I'm completely 100% serious about that. I mean, it was it was a game changer, quite literally a game changer.
0: And how many months was it, start to finish, that you were working
2: on it? Start to finish, it was 13 months from the not not for the flip finish, but 13 months until we sold the property and closed on it.
0: And during that time, how many other deals did you do? Three. That was one thing that helped us help keep us going because at a certain
2: point, we were getting beyond what. We had budgeted for the rehab loan to even draw out for the construction cost. So it was a wholesaling that even kept me alive to get that project done. Uh, but I'd done three deals by that time with the fourth locked up while we were closing.
0: Yeah. Deal. Well, Josh and I had a conversation before we started recording here. And it's really interesting because we look at a deal that's wholesale and we have zero risk. We have zero, and it's not just financial risk, it's the risk of missed opportunities, right? It's the risk of uh, it taking so much of your attention and time and effort to get that done that it ends up torpedoing your productivity when it comes to sourcing new business. It really does. I mean it is it is wild how distracting a flip can be. And listen, if you're a contractor, if you're a designer, if you just want to make the world a better place and clean up neighborhoods and swing a hammer and do all that, I completely understand. If you're in this thing to make a ridiculous amount of income to then go buy fixed up properties that are ready to go and be rented, just wholesale, just wholesale. Have pride that you are out there finding the deals. You don't need to swing a hammer to feel like a real estate investor. You know what I mean? You need to go and make a bunch of money. uh, I mean, find a bunch of opportunities, turn that into income, and then go buy assets or replace your job or whatever else it is. But there is more risk when you own that property and are doing the flip uh, than you can imagine. And Josh got a full dose of it on his first Big deal. And that is a huge property, 4,500 square feet. I've never remodeled a property that big in my life. I mean, that would just, that would consume me. I'd be worried about all the fixtures. I'd be worried about the paint colors, be worried about the roof and every, everything would be like, you know, I, I would want it perfect. Right. And so it's a really good lesson to learn early. And listen, the fact is we learn way more when we fail than when we succeed. And that's the absolute truth. And now you've been rocking and rolling. Now you're putting together other big opportunities. Now you're on radio. Now you've got, you're still calling your, you're driving for dollars leads. Like you're really doing some amazing stuff, but I'm telling you, if you didn't take a bite out of that apple early on, you would have taken a bite out of it later and it could have been bad. You could have been caught in a down market and it could have been really, really rough like people are experiencing right now. So uh, for everybody out there, internalize this, use Josh's experience as your own, just put it into your brain and go, oh, you know what? I'm going to just go and find some deals, sell them to to cash buyers and make a ton of money and move on and be really, really, really happy. All right. <laughs> I yeah, mean, guys, I'm biased, this, but this is I'm, free I'm knowledge.
2: We're is. not charging you for this. Yeah, that's It'll right. Save you so much money and it's free just to listen to this podcast, guys. You'll learn so much. I mean, I, that's what got me going was listening to this podcast and all the stories from other people. I mean, of course, I still make mistakes. Everyone does. Um, a little wisdom. My dad shared with me. I'll share with you guys for free. No charge. Uh, you know, he always says one of the worst things that entrepreneurs can see is early success. Because you, you get this sense of, oh, I'm untouchable. Nothing bad's going to happen. You know, it's just been so easy. Yep. And that's that could be, you know, that's further from the truth. It, it's a falsehood and a fallacy we like to tell ourselves. And it's easy to kind of fall into that. But you're always going to experience something. And it, honestly, I think it's better to experience some trial or whatever. Things going rough early on than it is later. Because you learn how to deal with it. And you don't have as much uh, skin in the game when you have to deal with it early on versus later on. It's
0: the truth. So Josh, give me two minutes of a deal breakdown because we have to ring this victory bell because we're not sure if you made income on that last one. So let's talk about a wholesale deal that you closed and got done. And uh, let's ring this victory bell.
2: Yeah. So here's a quick one. It's really easy. I actually just did it outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's Cleveland, Tennessee. So right down the highway. And it was a, a driving for dollars. Well, they were on our driving for dollars list. We had a hard time getting in t- contact with, and we find out later when we look into it a little bit further, because we always try and find out where the leads come from. Uh, he called in from the radio. We find out later he was also on our driving for dollars list. So everyone keep calling those people. They own the property for about 12 years. They bought it in 2008. Well, I guess 14 years now. And he just, they had never touched it. They were going to flip it. They kept paying power, electricity, all that, taxes. And uh, he said, hey, we, we're selling it for 115 What do you What do you think? And I knew ARV is probably around 250, so I said, okay, this is a deal. We ended up negotiating down to 110. Just you know, it's always good to make sure you have you don't say yes right up front because you want to you know make everyone feel like they're winning and there's a bit of negotiation there. But we got pictures of it in and out, sent it out to our buyers
0: list, and we signed it at 145. Awesome. And when it closed, how much did you make? Thirty five thousand. Thirty five thousand locked up for 110. Sold at one. 45, $35,000. One conversation. That's the seed of it. One conversation with a distressed property owner. Absolutely incredible. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, congratulations, Josh. Uh, speak now to anybody getting started, anybody that needs some encouragement. Give me a little bit of mindset. Give me a little push. Push them out there a little bit. You know what I mean? Push them out of the nest a little bit and give some advice and give me an action item. You know, give me something beyond just go take action. You know what I mean? What would you do? What yeah. Like if you yeah. were like just starting in a brand new right now, what's the first action that you would take?
2: If I was just starting off, the first thing I would do is 100% go squat up. That was the biggest thing that got me going. I know I, I talked to you at the beginning about David. I mean, he was a true go-giver. He's the only reason that I early on saw the potential that I did of investing in real estate. And then, you know, he, he's like, hey, are you a wholesaler? I said, well, yeah, kind of. He said, well, here, you know, I mean, he just gave it to me. He was a true go-giver. So that's yeah. one of the things I would say is go squat up, find those go-givers, find a way to be a go-giver. And really just don't be afraid to fail. Just make sure uh, that you're not afraid to get back up and fail again if you if you have to.
0: So go out and find somebody that's doing the business.
2: Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the, one of the best things you can do.
0: Yeah, I love it. I absolutely agree. How do, how can people get in touch with you? Um, is there a way that people yeah. can reach out and and say congratulations or connect with you in Chattanooga? Yeah, um, I'm on
2: Instagram. My first initial and my last name, Jay at, uh Just at Jay Dinesky on Instagram. You can shoot me an email, just Josh at PayOffer.net. That's my my wholesale company. You know, that's the kind of the seller side of the business. Um, so yeah, if you guys would love to meet up with you, squad up talk shop. Yeah.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for being on here. Such an inspiration. I mean, starting out, I mean, 18, now you're in the early twenties by the time you're 30. I mean, you're going to have this thing totally in orbit. It's going to be absolutely exploded. So congratulations on all your success. I look forward to watching the rest of it. And for everybody out there real quick, Josh talked a lot about driving for dollars. Make sure you check out Deal Machine, uh, dealmachine.com. Use the coupon code TTP, the biggest uh, discount that they give is if you use a coupon code TTP, and if you're interested in squatting up with the most proactive community in real estate wholesale, in real estate investing, it is the Rhino tribe. Go to wholesalinginc.com. Go to wholesalinginc.com. Check out what it's all about. Check out all the incredible people in the community. And if it feels good in your gut, sign up for a call and that's it. Thank you so much for joining us, and as always, I sign off by encouraging you to go out there and talk to people. Till next time, guys. Love you. See ya.